0: All First right, John chapter 5, verse number 7, okay? We're starting a series this week, uh, an all month long here in May, about the Holy Spirit. And the, the name of this message in this series is called Batteries Not Included. Now, you can look up here uh, and see that we have several toys up here, uh, including this this little Mercedes that my parents bought my boys uh, for Christmas um, last year and then we didn't have any way to get it down here because we flew so then we had to wait forever till my parents could drive it down here Uh, and so we you know finally got it and the boys have rode it about three times anyway um, uh, as you look across there's all kinds of of toys up here and we're going to talk about all kinds of stuff during the week but uh... or during this month but I remember one year for Christmas my parents got for me now again I was a child of the 80s, but I, I was actually born in the 70s, and the original Star Wars came out in 1977. Did anybody else go see that in 1977? Yeah. Thank you for all of you. You weren't old enough to go see that in 1977. You weren't even a, a glean in your father and mother's eye yet. I don't know about Darnell, but I know Sarah wasn't. So, so anyway, um, so uh, I went to see it, and of course it changed my life. As a, as a six-year-old, going to see Star Wars in the movie theater was just unbelievable. And um, I, uh, my parents made it their mission because I was so engrossed in the culture of Star Wars. They bought me all the little figures, every one of them. And um, I remember, you know, I, I, one, one year, I mean, for my birthday, you know, Easter. I mean, every everything, every excuse you could have to get a present, I was getting Star Wars stuff. And so then I got for Christmas, um, does anybody remember what Luke's land speeder looked like in the, you know, the little car thing that he drove? Okay, I got one of those, but instead of just a regular one, I got this, it was called the Sonic Controlled Landspeeder. Now, here's the difference between the regular one that they came out with and this one was, it came with that R2-D2 thing right there, and see that big blue button thing on the side of it? That was actually a remote control, all right? Now, Let me talk to you younger folks for a second who have no idea how that is going to be a remote control. How many of you have ever heard the term, especially you younger folks, or used the term clicker? Where's the clicker thing at? All right, do you know where that term clicker comes from? Because when you push a remote today, there's no noise that it makes, okay? The reason they're called clickers is because back in the good old days, come on, anybody remember the good old days? (laughs) Everybody, again, real serious this morning. Um, cl- remote controls didn't emit any kind of beam or radio wave or anything. All it did was make a noise. So when you push that blue button there, all R2-D2 did would click really loud. It would just go real loud. I got to the point where I stopped using R2 and I would just click with my tongue and this thing would, would turn. Right? This is how you used to change TV. Does anybody else remember the TV remotes when they were like this? I mean, you just sit there and you just, there was no up and down. It went one direction. This thing went one direction. If you wanted to go, if you were going straight and you wanted to go left, you had to click three times because it would only turn one way. So you'd turn this way, this way, back that way. And so I was so excited that I finally got this thing and I was i was i was prepared i had all my guys cleaned up the night before i knew i was getting something for christmas i mean i had got them all shined up had them all sitting out on the dresser ready to go the next day i didn't know if i was getting this or if i was getting the death star i didn't know what i was getting i knew i was getting something though and so they're all out there and i go out and and i'm excited and i rip open the packages, and i'm like yes and I'm so pumped, and I get it out, and, I, and, and, and I'm thinking, I didn't know that mine was going to be remote-controlled. I just thought it was going to be the regular kind you push, human-powered. And so I get this thing out, and I'm like, whoa, it's remote control. Oh, this is awesome. And I'm, I'm like, just, you know, my little six- or seven-year-old brain is running as fast as it can in my head. Where can we go today? Okay, where, where can we go? And so we get it out and we get it all unpackaged, and I run in my room, and I get, I get my Luke Skywalker and my Ben Kenobi and, and, my, uh, and my two droids and a couple of uh, uh, stormtroopers because, you know, this is not the droids you're looking for. And so, I'm, I mean, I'm so pumped, and I'm so excited, and I come back out there, and I stick them in there, and my parents forgot to buy batteries. I was extremely disappointed because you couldn't just push this thing Because it would mess the gears up. If you pushed it on on the tile or whatever, it would would screw the gears up inside of it because that's what turned it. So you couldn't, I couldn't really do anything with it. I just kind of had to carry it around and just look, look how cool this is. And as I was preparing for this message and I was thinking about that day and that experience, and I I remember it being a bittersweet experience for me because I know how cool that thing is and I know how wonderful that is and I know how, you know, just, man, that's really what I wanted. But I knew that there was more to it and the fact that there was more I couldn't experience was very disappointing to me. I want to ask you a question. Have you, as a Christian, ever felt like there was more to your walk with God than what you're experiencing? You ever felt like maybe your relationship with Christ to others can't be represented the way that you feel like it should be? You know, you, 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 when somebody comes to ask you for, you know, something about the Bible or about God or, or something, you almost feel underqualified and it's like, well, maybe you should go, come on, should you go, maybe, let me go introduce you to my friend or... You know, I've, you know, we haven't been here long enough to experience this yet, but I, I've been in the ministry long enough where I hear people say this, well, I'm going to let you talk to my pastor because I don't really know a lot about that. Anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. Uh, you just don't feel like you can represent your walk with Christ enough. Maybe you, you go and you go to pray. And when you sit down to pray and you say, oh God, and as soon as you say, oh God, it's like the sound goes up, hits the ceiling and comes back and slaps you right in the face and be like, God's not listening to you. Anybody ever felt that way before? You ever felt like you're reading the Bible and you just think that it's words on the page and you just go, what did I just read? Are y'all too proud to admit to that? I'll admit it. I've been in the ministry 20 years, been saved 31 years, 32 years, and I still have that moment, okay? Anybody in here ever get agitated and, and just feel like uneasy about something? Maybe you feel like you're, well, okay, I'm not going to hell. My walk with Christ is is solid, but it hasn't motivated you beyond anything besides that. The same way that my land speeder, it's not there anymore, needed batteries on Christmas morning to power it and unleash everything that it was capable of doing, this is what the Holy Spirit does for Christians our relationship with Christ our salvation experience this is the gift this is the toy this is the part that's new and shiny and the Bible says makes us a new creature in Christ Alright? this is the part that everybody else sees this is the part that everybody else's comments on the change in your life this is that relationship but if somebody would come over to my house and, and, and one of my cousins or my friends would come over to, to play or whatever and, and they would see that, you know, that Christmas day we had family dinner and, and I had cousins and everybody there and they would see that cool little land speeder there and they would just say how awesome that is and as soon as they found out that it was supposed to do more than it, than it was doing, they were extremely disappointed. Friends, I honestly believe this is why the world is so disappointed in Christians. We have allowed ourselves and I'm you don't have to turn there, but we've allowed ourselves to become what Paul told Timothy in Second Timothy chapter three. He said in verse number one, You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride and love pleasure rather than God. Now get this part right here. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like, like that. I want to say to you today, you've You are, I'm I'm looking around in here and I, I don't see anybody I don't know. So I'm going to say this, I believe everybody in here is saved. They've been saved. They accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord. But everybody, everybody knows that Christians should be doing more than they are. We've hid or denied the power of God in our lives. We should be doing more. We should be helping more. We should be praying and seeing results more. We should be living out what the church in the book of Acts lived out daily. It is our salvation that gives us purpose and meaning and a reason worth living. It recreates us to start the journey to be everything that we were created to be. However, There is a secondary relationship with the Holy Spirit, a separate experience. And that is the only thing that gives us the power to do everything God's called us to do. This comes after the salvation experience, and it'll make us everything God's created us to be. I want to say to you today, the battery to a Christian's life is not salvation. That is what makes us new. The battery to a Christian is the Holy Spirit. We must experience the Holy Spirit because he who, who, is, is, who is being poured out today on the church today and we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. And so, this, this is a foundational message this week. This is going to be very introductory. We're going to probably use some, some Christianese today, and I'm going to try not to just glaze over the Christianese phrases. I'm going to try and break those down so that you can actually understand what we're talking about. But I want to talk to us today, real simple, who is the Holy Spirit? In 1 John chapter 5, verse number 7, we read these words, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. First thing I want to say to you about who is the Holy Spirit is this. And if this is foundational for you, then guess what? Your faith is going to grow today because you're going to hear it and hear it again. All right? He is the third person of the Trinity. Very elementary, right? He is the third person of the Godhead or the Trinity. Now, how can there be three people... If God is one, how can that happen? How can that be? How can there be three people if God is one? Now, in your app there, you probably have a few um, extra scripture here, but in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse number 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Genesis 1 1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Genesis 3.22 says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us to know good and evil. Now, right there, all three of those scriptures, the word God is the word Elohim. Now, Elohim is... One of those big Christian words that, you know, you don't hear hardly ever anymore, unless you're in a charismatic church, Pentecostal church. I mean, hardly ever do denominational churches pull this word out. But the word Elohim is the word that, that actually means God, all right? But here is the thing about that word. It is a uni-plural noun. Now, some of you just looked at me really funny, <laughs> We have a couple, of, we've got, I think, at least two, maybe three English teachers in here that could probably give us the definition way more proper than I could uh, of what a uniplural noun is. But I'm going to try my best, okay, because I got the microphone. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it means this, plurality in unity. Plurality in unity, okay? I'm going to give you several examples of a uniplural noun. Number one, team. Team is a uniplural noun. That means there's, how many teams are there? Well, there's one team. But how many members make up a team? You know, you can't have one team unless you have more than one person, come on, on that team. Okay? Church is a uniplural noun. Okay? You can have one church, but, you know, you really can't have a church unless you have more than one person going to that church. Come on. All right. Family is a uniplural noun. Okay. All right. You can have one family, but you know, how many of you know if, if it's just one person, you ain't a family? You're an orphan. <laughs> you're, you're a loner. Okay. Family. Is uniplural. It means that there's one family, but there's more than one member, okay? We could go on talking about it. state, country, city, all these things. These are all uniplural nouns, all right? This is the same word Elohim is, okay? The word God means one God, but three distinct persons represented, Now again, very foundational here. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Turn to Isaiah chapter 6. I think this is very appropriate here. Verse number 1, if you're on your app, should be right there for you. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim, each had six wings with two, uh, he co- with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. Now check this out right here. And one cried to another, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory." Now, how many holies are there? How many? Now, why why did why is it just why is it three holies? Why why couldn't they just keep saying, holy, 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 holy? I mean, you could just say it as many times as you want, you're never still going to encompass how holy God is. But I think it's very fitting that the Scripture shows us three holies. I think that's very, very legitimately put there. Why? Because he's saying one for each person that's represented in the Trinity. He's saying, holy is the Father, holy is the Son, and holy is the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit is the third member of the Trinity. And we're just going to have to come to the understanding that we're in His age right now. Each one of the three, and again, I know this is very foundational, and I wish I could take off and just preach right now, but I'm trying to lay a foundation to preach from. All right. In that, each one of the three had their time. During creation, and then the Old Testament... That was the time with the Father. That's when, you know, when Moses asked God, and if you don't know this story, you can go read it. Uh, there was a, a, a place where when, when God said, when Moses said to God, he goes, Show me who you are. Show me what you look like. And he said, Nobody's ever seen me and lived. However, I'll let you see my backside. This is the Father that we're talking about. And, and he, so he covers up Moses, and he walks by, and as he's walking away, he takes his hand away. That was the Father. The Old Testament, the God that they all talk about in the Old Testament, that's the Father. Then we know in the, in the, in the Gospels, that's Jesus' time. And we all know that because we've all seen every Jesus movie under the sun, haven't we? Jesus of Nazareth, the Passion, you know, the Bible series a few weeks ago. I mean, we've all seen, we all know long hair, beard. In fact, I was teaching a class at Faith Christian University uh, a few months ago and uh, to start the year off. And I had Jesus from the Holy Land sitting in my class, the Holy Land experience up here. That was the weirdest thing, to be sitting there, and there's Jesus sitting there looking at you. Asking questions. Anybody got any questions? And every time he would raise his hand, I'd be like, yes, Jesus. It was weird. It was so weird. Because, I mean, he didn't just look a little bit. I mean, he, it's him. I mean, the posters that you see, if, they, if you've ever seen the posters of the Holy Land Experience, he, it's the guy on the poster was sitting in my class. And so I was expecting him to stand up in the robe and, you know what I mean, and come with his sandals on. And, you know, it was weird. It was so weird. But Jesus had his time here on earth. But then when he left, he told the disciples, he said, listen, I'm going away, but don't worry, I'm going to send the comforter. And if you go and look up that word, the comforter, and we'll get to this later on in the series, but it's actually a word that means somebody who's just like me. And from that point when in the book of Acts to now, we are living in the age of the Holy Spirit. We're living in his time here on earth. And we're just going to have to get used to the fact that he's the third person of the Godhead. He is all God. He contains all of God's power. He is—he is God, and he's the one that's poured out here on the earth. Now, I want to say this as we're talking about it, talking about the, the subject of the Holy Spirit. He is not an it. I mean, you hear people refer to the Holy Spirit and, and they'll say, well, I felt it. <laughs> or, it was so strong. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, oh, I just, the Holy Spirit, He, it was so strong today. Some, there's, and you know what, it's it's really because, there's. here's where it comes from. A lot of people have, have been taught that the Holy Spirit is merely the power of God. That, you know, it's, you know, uh, you see, you know, People talk about, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. You know, people get healed. That's the Holy Spirit. Well, it might be the Holy Spirit doing the work, but the power of God is known as the anointing of God. The power of God is not the Holy Spirit. He is not something that you can throw. (laughs) He is not something that can be, you know, he, he is not an it. He is not an object. He is an actual person. He is the distributor of the power of God. He is the distributor of God right now here on this earth. He is where the power comes from. Now listen, how many of you can can probably tell me better than I can tell you? You're in his presence every day. All the time, you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is here right now. When we wake up in the morning, he's there. When you go to bed at night, he's there. When you're by yourself doing things you shouldn't be doing, guess what? He is there. He's there in the part of the world right now where the worst things are happening. He's there. He's there in the the churches that the best things are happening. He's there. Come on. He is there all the time. He is the current version of God here on the earth, the, the, the distinct personality. But his power isn't revealed every day. Unless someone who's born again reaches out with faith and activates that power. That's why when we worship, we're standing here, everybody's got their eyes closed, their hands raised, or whatever, and, and they're standing there, and, 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 and suddenly you feel the presence of God. Does that mean God just showed up? Because I, I'll just be honest with you, I don't believe that. When these when these churches be like, oh, come on now, you know, the Holy Ghost just now showed up. No, he was here the whole time. It's not like you can go somewhere where he isn't. How many, listen, I grew up in a Pentecostal church and I heard that all the time. Oh, the presence of God just now, just, just, just rolled in here. No, he was already here. What changes? It's not an it. He is, he is not an it. it, it the, the fact of it, it's, it's not that the power of God is, isn't real because the power of God is real. But what, what changes? When we're worshiping, we're not worshiping an it. We're worshiping a person, and you can tell. And you know what? It's Subconsciously, some people do this automatically. It's like when they start to worship, they're worshiping the person of God. They're not worshiping an it. They're not worshiping the power. They're not going, oh, power, you're so awesome. There's not nobody doing that. We're all talking to God. What changes? It's our faith that activates. And what happens? We reach out with our faith, and we actually touch the atmosphere that he's in which he's here all the time and what is the difference not in the notes I'm going to give you a little bonus thing go to mark chapter 5. mark chapter 5 verse 25. okay here we go certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now I want you to check this, check this out. This woman is in listen to me now, in the presence of Jesus. And a million other however many people there, thousands of people are all trying to touch him. You okay? I don't mean, all right, good. They, they're all touching him. They're all going, Oh Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Okay? This is what happens all the time. We're in the presence of God, just like this woman, all the time. We're in His presence. Bad, good, ugly. It doesn't matter. We're, we're there. But the moment our faith gets activated, and we actually, whether it's through worship, whether it's acknowledging, whether it's you know just talking to Him or talking about Him or whatever, once our faith gets activated, we switch from be, just being in His presence to touching him and that's when people feel it and that's when people go oh the presence of God just came in this room no he did not I brought him to church with me maybe he walked in when I walked in but no I'm just kidding he's here all the time but when I activate my faith I actually reach out and touch him this is the reason, you know, I, I mean, being a youth pastor for 20 years, you, you see a lot of people and you tell people to pray. You say, you know, you need to pray more. Well, they're like, well, I'm already praying. Yeah, but how are you praying? Are you just like, oh, my God, what's going on? You know? Or are you really praying to acknowledge God in your life? Because it's the acknowledgement of God in our lives that activates his presence to a tangible level. Okay? It's not that he, it's it's not an it. He's not an it. Okay? The Holy Spirit is the person who distributes the power, and our faith is what accesses that power. Romans chapter 8, verse number 16 says this the Spirit Himself. Notice it doesn't say itself. The Spirit Himself is bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. He is not an it. Okay? And while I'm, while I'm at it, he is not Casper. Okay? He is not a ghost like we've understood from Scooby-Doo movies. Okay? He is not the sheet with the, high, the eyes cut out of it. Okay? That is not, that is, <laughs> that is, that is not what the Holy Spirit looks like. Or, or even a, a close version of that. Okay? He is the third person of the Trinity and he's a person. Okay? So then we ask ourselves, well, if, if that's who he is, what does he do? Now this is where we're going to camp for the next few weeks. What does the Holy Spirit do? I mean, how can you really put into a box what God does? Well, you can't. And if you do, then that's just part of him you just aren't going to experience anything but that but there are some things that we can pull from scripture that tells us what the holy spirit does now i believe that outside of things that are in scripture i believe that, that the holy spirit reveals himself to us individual things all the time and so there'll be th- some things that he speaks to me about that he may never speak to you about So there'll be some things that are going to be different for everybody. And I I say that about a lot of things. But then there are a lot of things that if we can find them in Scripture, they apply to everybody. All right. So we're there in Romans. Let's look at that Scripture again. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. First thing he does, he's the one that guarantees that you're a Christian. That word bears witness, again, we don't really speak King James very much anymore, but the word bears bears witness there means this, confirms, validates, states positively, asserts as in a judgment or decree, or expresses dedication to. So if we were going to read that scripture with all those in there, we would say this, the Spirit himself confirms validates, states positively, passes a judgment or decree, or expresses a dedication to the fact that we are children of God. Listen, when we ask Christ to save us and we confess His Lordship over our lives, check this out, it is the Holy Spirit that actually confirms it to your spirit that you're a new creature. This is what people feel when they get up from their salvation experience and they go, I just feel so different. Now, of course, we all know we just did two, two weeks on sanctification. There are all kinds of issues that we're, we're going to deal with after that. Okay? There are things that we're going to be walking away from. Okay, But when that real, genuine salvation experience happens, there's a change that happens on the inside that's immediate, that their spirit man is re, reborn. That is the Holy Spirit confirming, hey, you're now, you're now not who you used to be. You are now a new, come on, creature. This is the Holy Spirit confirming these things. He's validating that. All right? Your salvation is backed up by the Holy Spirit just like a manufacturer backs up its products. He tells you that you are a new creature. He tells you that you are more than a conqueror. He confirms to you that you aren't the same person anymore and the things of this world don't apply to your situation you have a hope for tomorrow and how can you stand up and be so low old because the holy spirit come on confirms those things to you anybody in here ever play mother may i when you're growing up mother may i and if you didn't say mother may i then you know you didn't get to do what you're allowed to do. mother may i jump up and down on one leg and if she said yes you may then you You jumped up and down, and if you didn't, you just had to stand there. And the object was to be the first person to get up to the front of the room or whatever. All right? Mother, may I is the salvation prayer. Yes, you may. The answer is the Holy Spirit agreeing with you. He is the one that actually touches your spirit man and recreates him at that experience. At, at that expressed confession of faith and makes our spirit a place that he can come and live in now john chapter 20 verse 22 and i'm going to close here We've got two more scriptures and we're closing then he breathed on them and said receive the holy spirit if you forgive anyone's sins they are forgiven if you do not forgive them they are not forgiven now this is jesus praying for the disciples he says breathe he breathed on them and says receive the holy spirit but then if you turn over to acts chapter 1 he tells them to wait verse number 4 says but when he was uh, eating with them he commanded them don't leave jerusalem until the father sends you the gift he promised as i told you before john baptized with water but just in a few days you will be baptized with the holy spirit Verse number eight says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you, may, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This, this was not the same experience as when he breathed on them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. But then he told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. Is Jesus being like double-minded here? No, it's because when he breathed on them, that was the Holy Spirit now confirming that they are born again. Now they're going to go and have a separate experience with the Holy Spirit. Okay, the Holy Spirit guarantees that you are a Christian. Let's close right there, and we'll pick up here next week. Father, thank you for our time together today.